Thank you for joining us for another episode of That Solo Life, the podcast for PR pros and marketers who work for themselves. I am Michelle Kane. My company is Voice Matters, and I am here as always with my wonderful co-host, Karen Swim of Solo PR Pro. How are you today, Karen? Hello, Michelle. I'm doing good. How are you? You know, can't complain. I have this strange fogginess, but I think it's just, you know, we're in the pandemic era of life. So I'm just going to keep rolling. Yeah, regardless. I know. Um, I do not, which I'm so thankful for. And I got a good night's sleep. And, um, you know, we're as we for our viewers on the live stream, as you know, there was a big moment in our culture yesterday for those who may be watching the replay. And we hope that there are people watching the replay or listening (laughs) to the podcast on Monday. We are recording this on April 21st, 2021. You know, I think I keep writing 2020. Um, (laughs) Anyway, and it's the day after the verdict in the Mm -hmm. George Floyd trial. So just to kind of set that in context for anybody who might be catching it, at different times, as we know, our audience, you know, we provide this content so that you can, you know, view it at, view it or listen at your leisure. So mm-hmm. there you have it. There's our framework yeah. today. Yeah. So today's title of our show is Read the Room, because it's it's a given, isn't it, with anything that is, you know, a cultural moment, a moment where, you know, all eyes are, are on a result. And... Uh, you know, I'm of two minds. It's like, don't always feel like you have to say something. And, and if you're not sure it's going to ping correctly, don't. Um, you know, specifically, we were um, looking at and talking about last night on in the Solo PR Pro Group about the, the Oakland Raiders response to the verdict. And, you know, there's been a lot of discussion about that. I mean, they, they just posted on its own, I can breathe without any context. So, you know, given that, well, Oakland, you know, are you, are you in this thing? Like, why are, why are you, it, it, it just felt off and I wasn't alone in that. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. So let's, let's put this in context too, after we both did some reading and mm-hmm. sort of found out, so I can't breathe. And that particular line was used right. in sort of an anti- um, anti-Black Lives Matter moment in 2020. Yes. So this is where, you know, communicators and, and, and more importantly, having a diversity of voices involved yes. in your PR really becomes critical because it seems like a benign statement. Um uh, Mr. Davis, um, I, I keep wanting to say Al Davis because that's the Davis that I know, but I believe it was Greg Davis, um, said it was his tweet and he took accountability for it. And he, according to you know media reports, was not referring to the anti-Black Lives Matter movement, but something that George Floyd's brother uttered after the trial. Right. And this right. is where it becomes so critical. If that were in fact true, Rather than just sharing that statement, which was really a quote, share the quote, attribute it to the brother. Because if that was framed, so they did the black and white Raiders colors, but it also has really become, began to become associated with performative posting 
Um, However, if they had simply, if he had simply put quotes around that and attributed that statement to the brother, and then you can just say something to the family, it would have been entirely appropriate. So see how just that little tweak Mm -hmm. can take something from inflammatory to really being appropriate. Yes, it's 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 that absence of being crystal clear in your intention and you know just dropping a graphic in there with no explanation, no messaging. What what are we as the recipients of that message supposed to do with that? Especially in something that is, you know, an incredibly sensitive time. You know, clearly if if they're saying something, they mean to take a position. That's their intent. So you would want to be incredibly careful, not fearful. You know, people say, oh, don't be afraid to say things. No, I'm not saying fearful, just careful. Do it with care and, and the compassion and of your intention. And, and then you could be avoiding all this backlash. People could just read it, you know, either not in agreement or and, and move on. Um, so, yes, I mean, case yeah. in point, you know, the NBA released a, a lovely statement um, I saw some individual teams, I forget which specific team I saw last night, you know, and, and, but these were entities that had already, you know, participated in, in the activities of this last year in the movement to, you know, continue to try and make things right and better. Um, yeah. So, which, you know, hey, we welcome the Raiders to continue to do that if they would. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, advice. for... For sports teams um, to be involved in these conversations is particularly important because Mm -hmm. sports figures have played a critical role in the social justice movement, and it does Mm -hmm. impact a lot of the players. So, I mean, there's that question that we as communicators have to help our our clients to navigate. And, And that first question is, you know, when these things happen, should we say anything? And, you know, in this case, it was entirely appropriate to be a part of the conversation. They just chose Mm -hmm. to join it in the wrong way. Yeah. So how do you make that decision? I think that you, you know, there are plenty of decision grids out there. If you're a solo PR pro, we have a list of questions that we will share um, to the group. But one of the key questions is, does this impact not only our company, but our community, the community that we serve? If it does not, that's, you know, one, you know, answer that question first, because that's really important. Mm -hmm. Um, Is this a conversation that you can actually add value to you? So it impacts your audience. And now you can add value because you do want to steer clear of saying things just to say things. And when I think about the Raiders post, I think that he felt compelled, like I'm supposed to say something because, you know, this has been a big issue for my players. So you said something because you felt compelled to say something, but you didn't really think it through. More Mm -hmm. importantly, if it's true that he posted that on his own, you did so without counsel who could have advised you on kind of the, the minefield that you were stepping into. Right. I was thinking that very thing of being the the person on his comms team, seeing that coming through the thread going, no, you know, I I regret, I rue the day that I showed you how to use Canva. (sighs) You know, we, we've seen this happen. Um, There was a Tesla crash. um, I believe it was last weekend and forgive Mm -hmm. me for, but it was a recent crash 
driverless car and Elon Musk, as many of our audience knows, ditched his entire PR team because he felt like he was the master of Twitter and that's all he needed and he could Mm -hmm. do his own press. So after this crash, rather than his first, if he was going to say something, then his first, the first thing out of his, his fingers to type should have been <laughs> how sorry he was for the, the loss of life. People died. Instead, he responded with statistics about how there are only X amount of crashes in every million. So it completely minimized that when you are the family member who has been hit by a driverless Tesla car, you could give a flying fig about yeah. how few people have died. Yeah. All you know is that you have lost someone that you care about in a car accident with a Tesla car that was driven by no one. Yeah. That's not okay. It's not an appro- it's so tone deaf that I I have no words for my level of disgust. No. Um, Elon Musk is clearly a brilliant man, but he also says some very stupid things because He's so wrapped up in his brilliance and accustomed to being the smartest dude in the room that he is missing that opportunity to read the room and to have them happen for your audience. And, and I, you know, a lot of brands do suffer that same myopic vision out of their own arrogance. And so, you know, as communicators, sometimes those are our clients and and it's hard, right? We have to, all that we can do is help them to navigate and provide counsel, but we can't force them to take our advice. Right. I mean, you know, one way around this would be, and uh, you know, who knows in these situations, well, no, not in Elon's situation, who needs a PR team, but, you know, try to be proactive. I mean, we all knew that yesterday was coming. So, you know, if you had a client or if you worked internally with an organization that was going to be saying something about it, you know, start those conversations and, okay, what is our plan when this comes out, depending which way it might go, will that change our message? Um, And, you know, let's consider all the fallout that might happen, you know, after the fact, is it going to be supported? Is it going to be negated? Well, what do we do with that? Or, you know, do we do anything? How do we... You know, there's all these things to consider. And I think, you know, not not to get too puffy about ourselves, but that points back to the value that Wise Cancel provides. You know, I, I, and yeah. I, I'm going to bunny trail like for two seconds, as I tend to do. But, you know, every t- there are times where I see listings for public relations jobs, you know, where they're looking for someone in-house. They're just like, seven the right press releases. It's like, that's not the job. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. there's so much more to that job. And I'll, I'll always remember hearing someone say, you know, your PR person must have a seat at your table when the decisions are made. That C-suite, you know, high-level executive access is key because you are the one, you know, sure, yeah, we're the one who's putting out the fire, but you can help your clients avoid a lot of pain. And, yeah, sure. You know, maybe even innovate their businesses in ways they never saw, just because you have a, a different set of eyes and a different perspective, and a different level of wisdom to bring. Um, you know, especially in these situations where you just don't, you don't want to make the wrong move, not because you look bad, but just because you don't want to do the wrong thing. 
You know, I also think another gold mine that gets untapped and, and, you know, today is a good day. Like many communicators were advising pause all social media because of what happened yesterday. Um, we face this question with our own clients as well. And again, here is where you have to read the room. Mm-hmm. Who is your audience? Right. How are they feeling today? Are they in a mood for receiving normal content? Because some audiences are. Some audiences, it's business as usual. Some of that could just be that they're not affected by the issue. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, they realize that moment is happening, but they want regular content. For others, it could be that they want regular content because they see this as a good thing and they want to normalize the day. So whatever the reasons are in these times, I mean, our old advice was pause. It was just period. There was just no question about it. But I think what's really changed over this past year is that we've been confronted with being in crisis mode nearly all the time. I was going to say, we've kind of... coarsened to it. Not not that we're hard hearted, but you're like, well, you yeah. know, it, there's a crisis. Li- life's got to go there's on. So there's something terrible in the world every single day. Mm-hmm. And so pausing is never a bad decision. I mean, you can default to that. But I think the wisest decision is to really thoughtfully assess your audience mm-hmm. and where they are and, and make decisions about not only what you say, but when you say it. Right, um, right. It's so I believe that is when it comes to social media and when it comes to these decisions, sometimes brands forget to even check in with their own people. Yeah. In your company, you have employees who really may be feeling something and and they can, you know, ask them like first, what do you need from us as your employer to support you? You know, how can we support you? How, you know, listen to them, listen to their needs, share with them. You know, we're looking at what we're doing externally. What are your thoughts on social media posts? Ask people inside of your own company because we ignore them sometimes. And we ignore that even the people that are tasked with DEI, our DEI officers, please give them a hug. Even if it's a distant hug, give them words of encouragement, because so often the people who are victims of the problems are also tasked with fixing it from a company perspective. And I can tell you, as somebody who is involved in DEI work, sometimes that's a hard job. Even as a communicator yesterday, I really kept myself and my feelings out of it as I posted yesterday, because I wanted the focus to be on the Floyd family. Mm -hmm. I I wanted them to have that moment where they felt supported and heard and not inject how I was feeling into that. But be clear that as a Black woman in America, it it was a really emotional moment for me too. Um, Especially someone who came from Los Angeles Mm-hmm. who has yeah. lived through the Rodney King trial, not only lived through the verdict, but the aftermath. Um, I was at a Laker game when everything was announced and the city erupted and I mm-hmm. was locked down with all of the other fans. And it, it was months before the city returned to some form of peace everywhere. Right. Um, not only that, I'm also somebody who doesn't understand what it's like 
to drive in your car. Yeah. And not be afraid of the police. Yeah. Driving behind you or on the side of you. I don't know what that's like. I'm sorry. No, I don't be sorry. No idea. What does that feel like? I don't know. I feel stupid for the police. No. But I feel stupid for getting emotional for you because it's like (laughs) here I am. But no, I think it's something that we I get all it. have some feeling about, but I honestly, I don't know what that feels like. I wonder, like, what does it feel like not to have a clenching in your belly that yeah. you're going to be harassed? And and it's happened to me. You know, Michelle and yeah. I were talking about how yeah. this is the fifth year anniversary of Prince's death. And yeah. we were sharing some of our Prince moments. And one of my Prince moments was being a 16-year-old girl getting to see him in concert at a skating rink. But that same (laughs) night, having the police stop me and my friends telling us we were in the wrong neighborhood. I mean, who does that? I was in Hills High School. I, you know, I was not a, you know, me and my friends were at a concert like every other kid does every day. So it had an impact on me. And, and I, again, I have friends and loved ones who are in law enforcement. I am not anti-police, but but. I have lived with that fear my whole life. So Mm -hmm. I don't know what it feels like. I don't, I don't know what it, I don't know that experience and I'm not alone. There's so many other people in this world who share that same experience. And so the, and, and the verdict was something that many of us, you know, I think uh, Sunny Austin on the news yesterday, she broke down as well. And many of us had hoped that we would see a just verdict, but we didn't believe that we would because right. over and over again, you know, even today I wake up and what does that say? An Ohio officer, you know, uh, shot a teenager and I don't yeah. know the whole story. So I am not reacting until I can fact check and, and get, but it's, right. you know, but it doesn't look good. Constant. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't look good. And you know, I, I, there is something like you say, I've got family who are police, you know, but here I am in little small town podunk. Right. So it, it does make a difference. And just as far as experiences. Yes. That, that's why yeah. it infuriates me when people blow this off as not, I'm like, it is real. It's like, you are so lucky that we live here in the middle of nowhere. Like, give me a break. You know, you can go and toss cars when the Phillies win the world series and that's all well and good, but yeah. my friends can't drive down the street, you know? Sorry, I'm going to yeah. get angry now, but um, I forgot yeah. where I was going with this, but yeah, no, I'm not certainly not anti, but when you run up on a situation and you're, why is your first reaction to shoot within seconds? There's something yeah. wrong with the way we're doing things. But I, you know, as communicators uh, too, I think, and, and it's, I, I got to tell you, you know, this past year I have had to dig really deep for that balance. I'm sure where I'm putting aside personal feelings and really looking at things like yeah. seeing that Ohio shooting. Naturally I had a, a, you know, just a very human reaction, but I also immediately went into communicator mode, like, okay, I need to research this, you know, I'm not watching the video because I've learned not to do those triggering things, but I need to to dig a little bit deeper and look at the facts beneath this and see, you know, read both sides of it. And I think that as communicators, that's our job to help ensure that we're not spreading mis or disinformation, 
Right. But I, I think we started this out by just, you know, again, coming back that there are yeah. people like me that are, are having an emotional reaction. Be sensitive to that, that we're all absolutely that there are people that really are affected by what happened. You know, like yesterday I ended work at 420 because I knew this right. was coming and I knew. Right forget about concentration. Nothing is happening right now. I just need to sit in front of my television. Right. And I need to watch it unfold. Yeah. Um, There were many people who were so unaware that it was even going on and they were just working and sending communications, which I was ignoring because, but again, it just goes to show how we all live in kind of our own universe. And my universe says, this is happening and this is important to me and I need to see. And I was on pens and needles while other people were, sending emails and Slack messages and Skype messages and, you know, text messages. And I'm like, I'm blocking it out right now. Cause I can't. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I was refreshing Twitter furiously. I'm like, come on, you said between four 30 and five, I can't. And, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, also as communicators and, you know, and again, we'll, we'll, we'll say this and, you know, and I'll say this too. It's like the police have a hard job. They are expected to fulfill so many roles, Agreed. so many roles and it's impossible. And, you know, and there, it's not like they have four years of training to delve into this. So, you know, we're not bashing, but you know what, if I did a garbage job at, at my job and it cost someone their lives, I'd expect to be held accountable. But this just brings yeah. me back to, sorry, my, my point of, you know, the original statement from the Minneapolis police department following Mr. Floyd's death. I don't know if you, you, read that Karen it, it it was shared a lot yesterday just to say let's keep this in mind as communicators and people yeah. oh it was a medical incident he was taken to the hospital where he died and I'm thinking there is not I think his name might be the only true thing in this statement okay maybe the name of the hospital too but yeah. it's, it's like come on guys we, communicators I know we all have mortgages and bills to pay but we've got to stand up when we can I agree. When you're being almost coerced into saying something untrue, not, and maybe they weren't, maybe they just said, all right, this is what we do. I mean, I also would challenge us. It's uh, Dr. Ali Rich. She tweeted out something this week about, and I love her. She's got this fantastic book, but she tweeted out that she is, is advocating for journalists to no longer share body cam footage and these Mm -hmm. videos of police shootings because it really does influence the type of story that gets told. And, mm-hmm. and I think as communicators, these are the issues that we really should be digging deeper on. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes we share things that are provocative, but mm-hmm. is it really doing a disservice to the deeper issues? Is it really helping to, to look at the problem? And in some instances, it's pushing narratives that we're trying to fight against. And so- right. I just, you know, this is a good time for us as PR people to really start to look at sort of the things that we've held true as standard operating procedure and think about ways in which even how we share information mm-hmm. that we think is solving a problem can actually work against solving that problem and become part of it. Um, right. Right. And and giving a shout out to the journalists covering who have covered this trial, you know, incredibly hard work that you've been doing. Oh, I mean, the journalists who have covered the pandemic, 
I mm-hmm. am not even sure how they are still writing full sentences and making sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm so thankful for their <laughs> deep dive reporting. I mean, people like Liz Sabo, who um, mm-hmm. is a health reporter and she's fantastic. And mm-hmm. it's just, you know, we forget that this time period has taken a toll on many of us. And so it is an, it is a, an opportunity for communicators to really shine during this time and to really mm-hmm. play a critical role in moving these conversations forward in a positive way. Right. But it also, I think, is is probably the toughest time that I can remember in my career. Oh, yeah. I mean, think about it. Sure, we've dealt with pandemics before. We've dealt with you know, World War II, this, that, and the other. But at no other time on Earth have we been pummeled with information. Has information been, you know, can fly around in an instant. And you really have to be discerning, you know, more than ever in a nanosecond. So, you know, if, so let's all just take it, you know, take a beat or two, like you said, you know, fact check this, that, the other, because yeah, as soon as I saw that that happened in Columbus, I thought, are you serious? What did we have 30 seconds before the cycle started again? Are you kidding me? You know? And, yeah. and all of this is complex stuff. It's, it's, it's certainly not, you know, it truly it, is. It's not easy. Unfortunately, information, information itself has become so politicized that yeah. I think it makes our jobs a lot more difficult and realizing Ugh. that within your clients, within those organizations, you're going to have polar opposites on the political spectrum. Absolutely. And, I think it's sad that everything has become about a political viewpoint. Right. We can't just have facts anymore. We can't just have facts. No. But as communicators, I think that more than ever, we really have to educate our clients on how to do research properly. We have to help them to move past their biases Mm -hmm. in order to take a broader viewpoint Mm-hmm. And really, again, to focus in on their audiences and, and be aware that we've got to stop digging our heels in to, you know, these political ideologies and remember that we're all human beings. Right. And I think, you know, we've kind of lost the plot these past years of that. You know, it's like, OK, yeah. I own company X. I might believe certain things but my company is my company and it serves people who need my product that's it you know certain things that you know not not that you're you should shouldn't remain true to yourself but you know even if you're the spokesperson for said company talk about your company you know and i think we've a a lot of elements out there have have lost that or they choose to use it to whatever advantage they think they're getting. But I, you know, misinformation is enemy number one. And we know that we know that that's being used against us. Um, Absolutely. I mean, I also, um, I am so proud to be involved in um, a committee called Voices for Everyone through uh, PRSA. And we have a website, it's called Voices for Everyone. So please look for that. And it's the number four. Because um, what we are attempting to do there is to equip and empower 
um, public relations uh, professionals to be able to model civil discourse, mm. to be armed with how to educate people on how to to dig for credibility, mm-hmm. um, to really be part of the solution around mm-hmm. eliminating or at least diminishing mis and disinformation. And so it's a great mm-hmm. It's a great hub of resources and we will be adding more case studies and tools and tips, but I would encourage, you know, everyone to visit that as well. And, you know, for me, I, you know, um, if you are somebody and, and I feel like a lot of our audience really, really was personally impacted by yesterday. But if you're somebody who has all the feels, you know, it, please keep in mind today, reach out for support mm-hmm. that tend to yourself, take care of yourself, but in your yeah. role of communicator, it's so important that we not view it from that emotional lens. You know, we, we've got to put on that PR hat and we have to make the right calls. It doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect. Sometimes we're going to get it wrong. And more importantly, don't bow you know, have a very distinct process for helping your clients to make these decisions about whether or not to to get involved in conversations, because there's so much external pressure these days from the public that is waiting for somebody to to post. And if you don't post, they want to cancel you. But then God forbid that you should post and say the wrong thing, even with the right intention, and you're still going to get canceled. Right. And so we can't allow that external pressure to impact our good judgment and what we know, because this is our area of expertise, what we know to be the right thing to do. And that's going to be individualized by each client. It's not a blanket decision that we can make. And again, I think that we're all, you know, sharpening our crisis communications chops, Um Thank you. 2020, 2021. We thought 2020 was over, but this seems to be 2021, the sequel. Um, <laughs> yeah. <help> us all. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, you know, I think, I think your clients know deep down what, what being true to themselves is. And, and that's key here. You know, it's, you know, your companies that you're dealing with, they have a tone, they have a voice, they have, you know, ethos of who they are. So, and people are going to be able to tell if you're doing something that's disingenuous. You know, it's like, I I don't need to hear from you on every little thing. If I know you're not in the conversation to begin with. Um, So, yeah, of course, this is all things you smarties out there know. So, but yeah, please be good to yourselves and, you know, open the dialogue. We need to talk about these things and it's, it's not easy. But, but we need to do it. And, you know, now more than ever, we need to be allies for each other. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. It harkens back because <laughs> I'm such an 80s nerd. And, <laughs> you know, but my eyes were so open. You know, you're an impressionable teenager about the world. You want the world to be awesome. But in talking about, you know, whip out your phone and record things because, my God, if, if that 17 year old girl had not done that. And, and it reminds me of in the mid eighties when Peter Gabriel was very involved with Amnesty International. And that was one of his main projects was to provide video cameras for people in the, in these hotspots yeah. you know, where people were getting imprisoned. And I forget what they called it, but I thought, yeah, you know, we are watching you. You people need to know that accountability is a thing. 
and no one's perfect, but, um, you know, don't, don't be afraid to, to stand up and do the right thing. If, if anything, take, take a lesson from, and I don't know if you saw all the people that testified from the EMT who wanted to try and help save his life to, you know, everyone saying like, no, this is wrong. What you're doing, what you're doing is wrong. And so there are good people out there. We just I agree. And I get a little, we just need to talk a little our, more and open our mouths. As our dear friend and very smart, 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 smart professional, Chip Griffin is saying, <laughs> if people spent more time talking with each other and listening, a lot might improve. And we completely agree with that. And we want you to know, um, solos, that if you need a place where people listen to you, we invite you, if you are not already connected to the Solo PR Pro community, to join. I find it to be a very balanced, compassionate group of people who are not so um, so tied to whatever their viewpoints and perspectives are about how we solve problems in the world, but they listen and they're compassionate and they're caring. And it's always a safe place to ask questions, to get support. Um, and, you know, it, it's it helps to have a sounding board particularly Mm -hmm. in in these times when we're navigating thorny issues. And, you know, you may not have a big team of people to bounce things off. And even if you do have a team of people, it certainly helps to get um, a little more perspective outside of that particular silo, because sometimes your team and you can start to groove in, in the same language and you can miss things. And so it helps to bring in other voices. Um, And remember that diversity is more than diversity of gender and color. It's a diversity of thought as well. Um, Let's not forget that. And let's not leave people out of the conversation that can really help us to uncover our own blind spots and biases. And, you know, the better that we are, the better that we can serve our clients. And I I truly do feel like we have uh, an important role to play in society at large and helping to move us back towards a place of civil discourse. We can do this, you know, one client at a time, one communication at a time, one social media post at a time. And you feel like your impact is so small, but all of those ripples are going to make a huge difference. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we thank you for being with us today. Um, it was it was good to dig deep. And uh, we hope you found some value in it, maybe some inspiration. Maybe it's it's helping you steal yourself for the day's ad. All of the above. If you have found any value of this, please subscribe. We'd love to have you in the uh, That Solo Life family. And uh, do check out Solo PR Pro at soloprpro.com. And until next time, thanks for listening to That Solo Life.